Catholic Movie Guy Podcast. Oh, hi, Mark. It's me, the Catholic Movie Guy. And I'm joined today by the right reverend and all-around world intellectual, Dr. Boba... Oh, no! That's Tim! It's me, the Tim Man. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I won't say clamor, but I won't not say clamor. The public has let a clamor for the Tim Man. Clamor meus ad te veniat. Wonderful. Appropriate, as always. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we got an interesting podcast today. It could be the uh, Ragnarok, so to speak, of podcasts. No, no, we won't be talking about a movie that people actually watch and pay money to see. Whatever. We'll be discussing a movie that's near and dear to, I think, both mine and Tim's heart. Something you've brought up from the very beginning of this incredibly humble and humiliating podcast. And that's Metropolitan, the 1990 Whitstoneman film. The 1990 biggie, the classic, the top five movie of all time, Metropolitan. Now, Tim, it's customary, I don't know if you knew this, it's customary to give what we call in the business a plot summary. That's brilliant. So you want to tell me what, what's the movie about? <laughs> okay. Okay, like, spoiler alert? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Well, yeah. if if you like Jane Austen, prepare to be chafed. But the uh, okay, it is a it's a debutante season over the Christmas and New Year break in Manhattan, not so long ago, which in the context of this movie appears to be mid eighties, maybe early eighties. Anyway. So a bunch of debutantes, they get around, they talk, they discuss life and uh, life and love and uh, all kinds of reality, you know, from the Protestant Revolution to uh, detachable collars to what it means to be a Fourierist versus a committed socialist. Did you say Fourierist? Yeah, he was into Fourierism. Fourierism. Yeah, but they called it Fourierism in the movie. So. Yeah. Good luck with your Fourierism. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, that was Sally. The Sally Fowler Rat Pack. Uh, this is not off to a good start. No. Well, I don't know how it could be, really. Uh, if you're looking for entertainment, you know, go further. You know, no, say go is, no further. This is go further. No, this is a great movie, and it's highly entertaining. So, really, it's a witty comedy. It's a bunch of clever dialogue. Really, really important lessons about life. Very entertaining. Funny. It's got villains, it's got well, gonna, chivalry. Taylor, I'm going to stop you right there. Taylor. I think uh, this is just a disastrous plot summary. It's not your fault because there is no plot. Let's instead do a character summary. I think that will bring out the plot a little bit better. So there's this group of people, Wait. and they each in their own way have their unique contribution. To right, but let me do the drop. Character summary! That was absolutely wonderful. <laughs> if, only I had the, if only I had the backing music. So give the main characters some. Okay, uh, the main characters are the the hero of the story, so to speak. Uh, the hero and heroine are Tom Townsend, who's a West Side Manhattanite, product of a divorced family. He's a bit poor compared to the others. He's like the Arnold of this movie. He's from Arnold. Yes. He's humble. He's trying to make it in the big city. He's pretty bright. He's well-read, but he's also really, really stupid Could, when it comes to real-life matters, like many communists before him. Could we say he's a stand-in for you? No, not at all. all right. <laughs> not at all like that. Audrey Rouget is the heroine. She is lovely, innocent, 
intelligent for us. She believes in people, and she loves Tom Townsend. She's known him for a while, and he doesn't even know she exists. But she's, that is not what the movie's about. She's also worried about looking fat, even though she doesn't weigh 100 pounds. Uh, no, that's now, not true. We'll, we'll get... It, it, which part isn't true? She thought she had a big can for like 20 seconds of the movie. This fantastic start. Uh, Nick, that would be probably the one you actually think is you, and it's Bingo. the least like No, it's so the most like me. Nick, describe Nick for the people. Nick is simultaneously the keeper of the traditions and the uh, parodist of the uh, traditions. He's sort of the court jester and sage of this group of people. Charlie is also in the group, and he's the earnest, uh, faithful follower of the traditions. He's, he's extremely naive. He uh, really is chivalrous, but he's a little bit uh, lacking in real-world common sense. Homer, this boy seems very nice, but he's clearly a nerd. Yeah, he's a nerd. And then there's Fred, who's a little like me, because Fred is asleep during most of the movie because he's <laughs> passed out. <laughs> And then there's the other chicks. Also, there's uh, a bunch of friends. You know, there's uh, you know Cynthia and the the villain Rick von Sloniger, who's a titled aristocrat from uh, Austria, and he tends to be a bit of a cad. And uh, then it also has Allison Rutledge Parisi, who ended up clerking for the Supreme Court. So there's people in the movie, and these people talk. They're wonderful. They have parties. Yes. They. Talk at the parties. Yes. They have to get to the parties. Yes. They talk on the way to the parties. That's right. They have to get home from the parties. Correct. And on their way home, they talk. Yes. About the parties and about other things. Really, it's not about the parties at all. It's about um, the maintenance of Western civilization. How so? Well, because these people... Okay, the, Charlie thinks the class is doomed, and that he's worried about this downward social mobility... Some of them are pretty shallow, but the ones who care, Tom's trying to figure out his relationships in life. He needs an education. Nick really loves this group, but he also realizes that they're a bit, you know, somewhat pathetic and somewhat silly, and it's a delightful stew. So we showed this film in our Catholic movie club. That's right. How would you say it went over? Had about 15... Man between 25 and 55, say. How'd it go over? I thought it went over extremely well. Uh, I thought it had the potential for a clear disaster, and it ended up being pretty good. I think people saw the merit in it. Uh, some of our more vocal and childish members weren't there that night. That helped quite a bit. I'll tell you what. This movie is not a hard sell for me, the Catholic movie guy. It's an easy sell. It has everything I want. Witty dialogue, pretension pomposity, thoughtfulness, okay? The acting is perfectly adequate to the task, even though none of the actors at the time were, were stars. There's, none of them were stars, no. I know you'll say that the one guy had a, a pilot or whatever. It's great. Uh, but none of them are famous actors. It's great. It's fantastic. It's about, uh, it's everything that we're about. We're trying to keep alive uh, a way of life that is constantly changing, uh, eroding, I guess you would say. Uh, and we see, at the same time, the movie gently mocks these, for what they are in America, aristocrats, while also celebrating them. Uh, Tim, I love the movie. I really do. But why? I just, nothing happens, you know? Nobody nobody gets shot, nothing. Right, nothing but does blows so, up. Does something have to happen? I mean, do you have to have a car chase to have a good movie? 
so. Well, then you're not going to like this movie. There is sort of a taxi chase where they follow a pedestrian who's walking on the sidewalk. It's a low-speed chase, much like O.J. You know, uh, you, you like all of Whit Stillman's films. He's uh, he's not the most prolific writer-director I've ever seen in my life. He's been around for almost 30 years and made, what, five movies now? Right. He five. made a, He made the, the trilogy of the early 90s. This was the first one, and then the second was Barcelona, and the third was The Last Days of Disco. And he, you know, he's got a really, he's got a big following. This movie was nominated for Best Screenplay. And then, like, by the third movie, Chloe Sevigny and uh, Kate Beckinsale were in it and um, Robert Sean Leonard. He started to pick up a, uh, a, a, you know, a more famous class of actor. But to me, Chris Eigenman, who plays Nick in this movie, and Taylor Nichols, who plays Charlie, then they, they appeared in the next two movies. They... They really encapsulate the Wit Stillman dialogue because on the one side you have the awkwardness and the really weird construction, and the other side you have this really biting, clever, funny social commentary. It is just hilarious. So I mean, beyond the whole you know traditionalist trying to make something old, new again, continue traditions, but also bring them into the modern world, which is so antithetical. I think it's just a relatable coming of age story. Okay, I'm a, I love coming-of-age movies. I love Lady Bird, which I know you saw. Love The Edge of Seventeen. A lot of people don't like these movies. Stevie Nicks. Yeah, not that one. Okay. Um, but I just, you know, the, 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 the transitioning from, from teenage life to adulthood. Well, I, you, I love it. It's you fantastic. may know more about transitioning than I do. But... <laughs> 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 but uh, <laughs> anyway, no, you're right. So I think one of the key things about it is rich people also grow up. Rich people also have relationships, and rich people can be great, nice, funny, and jerks, and evil, and boring, and insipid, just like anybody else. You look at this group of people, and I really think, except for them dressing in uh, formal wear and semi-formal wear, and you'll get a full education on that, but apart from that, I mean, they could be anybody. I, I know that not everybody talks like that, but it's like, these are common human themes. And and it, the movie is a, is a really good study in human nature. So I want to, uh, you know, I think at a certain point in a movie like this, you can't really discuss it anymore without discussing individual conversations in the movie. Uh-huh. I don't have any interest in that. Go watch the movie. Everyone should see it. It will make you a better person, I think. I mean that. Um, but it's not really one that I, I can go on at length without you having, uh, you know, sitting here and discussing individual scenes. But there's one I wanted to pick up on, because when I first watched the movie, spoiler alert again, this scene really bothered me because I thought it was these um, young people who are trying their best despite their limited you know, uh, experience and wisdom to live out a good life. And you get to, I guess, about two-thirds through the movie, maybe you'd say, and they play strip poker, right? And even some of the characters that you thought maybe were above that sort of thing. And that really bothered me when I watched it. I'm like, why would these people... But now that I, I take a step back and I see the perspective, the way that the scene happens is not lascivious at all. It's totally banal. And it's like they're almost doing it because they feel like they have to do this little act of rebellion as sort of a rite of passage. And the entire thing is kind of a modern commentary, I think, a meta-commentary on trying to keep these mores of your your ancestors that you know are right, right from wrong, but also kind of 
gently rebelling against them or doing what you think is a rebellious thing. And then even that kind of takes on a sort of mundane nature in the end in the modern world. Have you thought about this at all? You're looking at me like I have three heads. No, I just uh, for the viewer, you don't see any uh, private part no, of any not, person, so it, it isn't even that big of a deal. But it, yeah, it, there's nothing to it. It really is just, it's a... Yeah, the way the movie. I don't think it's. See, I, I think, think the way the movie structured is this. Okay, so now I'm going to get into film school criticism. But the first part of the movie before Christmas, before New Year's, anyway, is um, uh, the group in the formal wear, the group in their public faces, the group in their. This is how we are. This is the UB tradition. You know, the UHB, the urban haute bourgeoisie, and then after that. They, they, the title even calls it so-called orgy week, right? There are no orgies in this film. But after the first week when it's all the show, then the second week they start to let their guard down. And the first thing is you, the first night they have the strip poker thing. Then you see the, the pettiness and the criticisms and the relationships breaking down. So it, it, the, the filmmaker shows you, I think, right away that the, they're starting to unmask. Right. But I think that in the language of cinema, I guess what I'm saying is in this scene is kind of the climax for that view which is this is the de-evolution of modern man in modern times you go from the the mm. merit or the aristocracy to debauched modern modern man mm. even as they're realizing they shouldn't that's right. what I'm trying to say and they can't even do that well right exactly even that rebellion isn't uh worthy of the name to so me to and to me you know there's there's a powerful and, and affecting scene near the end about the limits of honesty in social intercourse. Um, excessive honesty can hurt people. Not that you should lie, but there are, there, there are social conventions, polite conversation for a reason, because you can end up hurting people the closer you get to them. And, uh, again, in a, in a more macro view, not just honesty in conversation, but also the artifice of social convention generally so their little formal what is the point of formal wear what is the point of formal parties what is the point of having chaperones when you're an adult all those conventions while they are somewhat artificial actually serve a purpose just in the same way that guarded speech serves a purpose in conversation just as casual dress now you see that that it's not just about the you know being comfortable in jeans at a party versus wearing a, a uh, tuxedo it also has a relation to the conduct of the, the person. Right. That, you're, uh, you're lowering your, your moral standards and your, uh, your, your values at the same time you're lowering your dress. They're, they're not necessarily related, but practically speaking, humans need I think that. They, I think they barriers. are. I think that they're not necessarily related, not necessarily, but they are but intertwined. Yes. I agree with that, that aspect of it, that um, you know, your elevated dress, you seek to act in an elevated way. It emphasizes the dignity of the human person. But... Also, I think in a way that wearing formal wear, you know, black, everybody black tie, everybody white tie, whatever, it makes it more individual. There's nothing about your dress that makes you stand out from anybody else. All that you can focus on is that individual's personality and actions. And there's an accountability there. You can't stand out from your dress. Now, it's a slightly different with women because they, there's a wider variety of what they can wear in those situations. But isn't that what, what women are anyway? I mean, women are, are more designed to be the... I mean, compared to a guy, I mean, I'd, I'd rather look at a woman. You know, I mean, this is a newsflash. Hot take. Um, Hot take. Yeah, I would just say, yeah, the, the barriers that you put in between you and another person while 
in one sense they are a barrier, make it more meaningful when those barriers are removed. And when everyone has right away the full picture, the full honesty, the, the full uh, vulgarity, so to speak, it takes away uh, some of the protections against that we see the ill effects of in modern life, but also some of the, um, I guess, not uh, mystery, obviously, but it makes it less rewarding when you get to that intimacy level with another person. And, you know, I said before, the movie was somewhat like rich people are kind of like everybody else and what they have to go through. But at the end of the movie, as they relax their standards, they're just like everybody else in terms of the negatives of human interaction. And the, and the, and the thing atomizes. Um, I don't want anybody to think that this movie is not interesting because we have not really described plot and we're just talking around conversations. It is very talky. But if you pay attention to it, it isn't just that it's going to be somehow rewarding. It is very entertaining. I love this movie. I've watched this movie at least 50 times. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, as usual, uh, I've made some Latin resolutions. I don't want to brag, but uh, I'm not going to question Tim's accounting of how many times he's seen this movie. Right, and I'm not going I, to let's be just offended say it, by Steve indirectly questioning let's just my say accounting of how many times I've seen this movie, I'm gonna, which is oh, at least 50 I guess times. what I would say, if I were guarding my speech, which we just talked about how good that is, is that I completely doubt uh, what you're saying. Right. Hey, Sarah. Hello? Hi. Hi. Me, Tim. Sorry, sorry, my phone was <laughs> into the casing. Hi. Hi, I'm here with my best buddy Tim, and we're talking. Hi, Hi. We're talking about uh, this movie. I don't know if you ever saw it. It's called Metropolitan. <laughs> I haven't seen it. And uh, how'd you feel about that one? You know what? I, I wanted to hate it. I did. I'll be. I'll be perfectly honest. I wanted to hate That's it. That's funny because we were just talking about how valueless perfectly perfectly honest behavior is. So go ahead. Okay. I think it, I think it's great. It's it's it gets a little weird at the end. I mean, based no. on the entire movie, and then all of a sudden, I'll, hey, I'll, easy, I'll, hey, like, easy on the. I mean, you don't have to give the ending away. No, I wasn't going to. Yeah. Right. It's just I I was I felt a little confused at the end, but. I really enjoyed it. I, I, it is, it's very funny. I do get that it's not for everybody, though. Wonderful. Tim? Love you. Okay, okay, love you all. Goodbye. Okay, bye. So there she was. The Catholic movie gal, as usual, she agrees with me. The Tim man. So, Tim, uh, I'm reaching, as you can see the audience can't unless you're watching on MSNBC um, for the drop button and I'm going to now play a drop to introduce our very last part of the podcast What a delightful way to introduce the final segment. Tim. It's wonderful. You seem to care for the movie a bit. What would you give it out of 10 or possibly another rating system that goes up to 100 or 1,000 or even 100,000? Um, well, I would have to say that this movie is about as perfect as a movie gets. I'm going to give it 11 out of 10 Tim Mans. 
Go ahead. The Tin Man, 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 the Tin Man. Well, wonderful. I I really like this movie. I would say I love this movie. Uh, I don't think it's for everyone in the sense that many people won't like it, but I do think it's for everyone in the sense that everyone should like it. Bingo. Uh, my scale only goes up to 10, and I respect that. <laughs> uh, I've toyed with hexadecimal, uh, which I could break out at some point, but I fear that I may lose the few listeners that I already have. So we'll keep it at 10 for this one. And this movie, it's not a perfect movie. I disagree with you in that sense, uh, in the sense of like a Casablanca or something, but it's very close. It's a Stone Cold classic and a personal favorite. It's a high nine. So high, in fact, that I'm rounding it to ten detachable <laughs> collars. Detachables, collars, detachables, collars, etc. times ten. Tim. Yes. That's it. That's the show. There's no other drops, so you, you don't have to worry about that. Listen, anything you want to leave the audience with? I just want to say that uh, you're very lucky to be listening to Steve. He knows a lot about the movies. Wonderful. Uh, he's not as nice to his brother as he could be. True. But, you know, he takes it pretty well. But can you admit he's not as mean as he wants to be? Yes. <laughs> he's got problems. But I do think that if he continues to see the renowned Ph.D. Dr. Bo Bonner... Uh, wait, he's not a doctor. He's not, no. No, but he no. says he is. I mean, that's just a lie. Well, before I let everyone go, I realize that you're supposed to do this at the beginning of the podcast, but I'm not a marketer, marketer, marketer. So uh, please like my podcast on the cookbook, on the Facebook, on Snapface. I'm not on there, but you can do it anyway. Uh, on iTunes, review it, five stars only. Um, next week, I don't know if it's going to be next week or the next two weeks. I think it'll be another Boo Bonner, and it'll probably be a newer uh, movie's. But, uh, you know, I think we had a good run here, Tim, and uh, I don't want to be away from you as long <laughs> in the future. Okay. All right. Well, let me just review Barcelona, the wonderful 1991 Whit Stillman classic. Wait a couple of years. Till then, I'm the Kathy Movie Guy, and I'm out. Bye.